was mentioned, I, I recently moved to San Francisco. That was just about three months ago with my family. And, and it's been a really weird adjustment. People have been asking, how, what's it like? And I, I forgot what it was like to start over and make new friends. And the problem is, is it's so different this time. Because in the last few years, God has given me what the world would say success. Here I am in this new place and people kind of know who I am and, and when they know that, they just they treat you different. And it's not like the, the old days where my buddies knew, oh, man, it's just Francis, he's no one. And you know, but they liked me, you know, and they hung out with me because I was a cool guy. And, and, uh, and, and now it's like, it's, it's just different. You guys know what I'm talking about. Like you start looking at everyone like, what do you want from me? No, really, really, what, what do you really want? Why are you being friends with my kids? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Um, it's, 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 just, it's just been kind of awkward in relationships and I'm just, because I'm new at this rich thing. I mean, some of you guys have been doing it for a while, but uh, it's, it's, it's new to me. And it's like, wow, what's going on here? And it's, it's weird how people look at you differently and you, you start, life's just changed. Um, it can also mess up your relationship with God in some ways. The pride that, that jumps in and people start treating you differently and you start believing some of these things they say about you. And I, and I began to understand why Jesus, Jesus kind of turned everything around because in the States, you know, we, we, we admire and we look up and we even envy those who have a lot. And when Jesus came, he came and he says, blessed are you who are poor. And then he would look at those of us who had a lot and he would say, ah, oh, you're at such a serious disadvantage. Seriously, you're at such a spiritual disadvantage. In fact, he says, it is so, so, so difficult for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. He goes, it'd be easier to cram a camel through the eye of a needle than to get a rich person to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It, it, it puts us at this disadvantage. There are things that, that Jesus says, you, you've got to be really, really careful of these things. He goes, now it's possible. It's certainly possible, but I, I feel like the last couple of years, God's shown me some of those temptations, some of those fights. And when people look up to you and people start to worship you in some ways, just because of something you have or something you've done, um, it's hard to humble yourself again. And uh, just to share a little bit about um, my story, it was about last year, this time, almost to the week that I went in front of my church and I'd been pastoring for 16 years. I started this church, I love this church. Um, and I came before them and I said, you know, I just, my wife and I have been praying and we believe it's time for us to move on and do something different. And, uh, and it was a hard time, it was difficult, but I felt like it was gonna be best for the church because I thought there was just too much focus on me and not enough focus on the Holy Spirit. Felt like they were all, oh, I want to hear him speak rather than, no, you've got to believe in the power of God in yourself, the Holy Spirit. And you can make disciples. You can lead people to the Lord. And, and, and we just felt like I was almost getting in the way of some of the things we as elders want to do as a church. And I thought, you know what, I think the church would actually be healthier without me. And we started pursuing that. But another reason why I left was I was just looking at my heart and... I know I've grown in some areas in my life, but I also knew that there were areas in my life that were getting weaker, that were getting worse. 
I, I remembered the early days when I was in high school and I, and I first fell in love with Jesus and I would just go and I would just tell my friends and sometimes with tears, like I was just worried about them and I would just tell them about God. And, and you know, I, I remember going through my yearbook and calling every single person I knew, just thinking, I, this is the weirdest phone call you're ever going to get, but I don't know if I'll ever see you again. And this is killing me because I, 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 something changed in me and, and I know I know God now and you got to know him, man. I, I want to spend forever with you. And I just started calling my buddies and calling people I barely even knew. But, but I, I was so consumed with that. I remember waiting tables and coming home and just crying over the waiters and waitresses, my best friends, thinking they don't know Jesus. They're going to spend eternity apart from them and just crying out to God and begging him. But then you get into this situation where you start getting paid for ministry. And it just gets a little weird. You just start going, ah, that's kind of strange. And then, and then more and more things happen. And, and pretty soon people start looking up to you and looking to you as some sort of leader. And, uh, and then they start treating you better. And then uh, I, I just felt in my own soul like I was losing some of the purity of, of, of who God wanted me to be. And, and I don't... I, I don't ever want to sacrifice that. You guys, I, for those who know my story, my, my mom died when she gave birth to me. Uh, but my dad remarried, and then my stepmother died in a car accident when I was around nine. And then my dad got married again. And then my dad died when I was 12, died of cancer. And so from a very early age, I understand this could be my last message. I mean that. Like, I think that way. I go, man, this life is over in a second. All of us have had friends that, you know, were right there. They, they, you know, maybe they were even here last year. And you're just going, what, what, what happened? And, and so from a very early age, I said, no, this, this thing's going to be done. It's going to be over. And then I stand before God. And I don't want to come to the end of it and, and find out that I let the fame get to me. I let the money get to me. I let all of this stuff get to me, uh, the, the way that people treated me, to the point where I couldn't humble myself before God. And so, so my wife and I, we just sold everything because I, I go, I, I don't know if my heart's in the right place. And, and, and uh, you know, we'll say things like, oh, I'll go anywhere in the world for you, Jesus. You know, but meanwhile, in the back of our head, but I know you called me to the suburbs, you know, and, and this house and everything else. So I, I can't leave that. But I would go anywhere. And, uh, and my wife's like, well, we know God doesn't want us here. Let's just sell the house and take the kids out of school for a semester and we'll just... Just say, God, anywhere. And I'm like, all right, anywhere. You know, and I want to check my heart. I go, well, then let's go to the worst place I could think of, which was India. I, you know, like, I, I just, I hear stories. I hear everything. And I go, let's go there. Um, and let's pray. Does God want us here? I just want to know, would I really do it? Um, you, you ever question yourself? You, you know, because we deceive ourselves sometimes. And, and it was the greatest time of our lives. I mean, we went to India and we, you know, watching my kids in the slums and everything else, mixing up with these kids. Then we went to Thailand and we worked with kids that were rescued out of a, a sex trafficking and everything else and just bawling our eyes out. And then going to China and meeting all these people in the underground church, you know, going to Hong Kong and, and in each place just holding hands with my kids, you know, at night praying and saying, God, is this where you want us to stay? Because if this is where you want us to stay, we got everything we own is right here. You know, we got our suitcases and we'll just stay here. And, and it was just an amazing time, but it was a time where I just really need to get my heart right again. 
You go, God, what, who, who am I? I wanted to attach for the first time in over 20 years. I didn't have a cell phone on me. It's just my family and I on the other side of the world going, okay, God, no one knows who I am here. What what do you want me to do? I want to surrender all, like we sang. I mean, I sang that song ever since I was a kid. But really, all, all, everything, whatever? So that was, uh, that's kind of was my time to uh, return to a purity, return to some sort of confidence that I I really will say or do whatever God wants me to do. I guess I I felt compelled to share a lot of that with you because some of you live a very strange life, you, you know? It's, it's unique and it's very difficult. Um, and I've prayed for you, I've prayed for this time together. See, I pray that for some of us, I'm gonna look at you 100 years from now. I mean, seriously, I will look you in the eyes 100 years from now and I wanna feel at peace even when I get off of here that 100 years from now, you could thank me for saying everything I was supposed to say to you. Like, I, I, that's, that's where my mind goes is eternally because I don't know what's going to happen. Um, can, can we just pray for a second right now? I, I, um, I really want to hear from God. And I really want to say whatever I'm supposed to say and not fail at that. And I'm just starting to feel a little bit like I'm just trying to make something happen rather than saying, okay, God, do something. Um, Will you pray with me? God, I ask that you would just lead me now and may I just focus on you and say what you want me to say. Give me words, Lord, to fill me right now with your spirit. Help me to love my brothers and sisters in this room, to genuinely care about them right now and not give a speech. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, I've got this list of questions in the front of my Bible that I ask myself because I I, I tend to... I tend to get off track. I tend to just get in this mode and, and these help me bring it back. But just, I'll just read the first two questions to you to help you understand what goes on in my mind even right now. The first one is, am I worried about what people think of my message or what God thinks? It's easy to come up on the stage and go, okay, what are people gonna think of me afterwards? And are they gonna like this? And sometimes we get nervous. And why, why are we nervous? Because we're worried about what people think. Am I really thinking, okay, God, what, are you gonna be pleased with this when I'm all done? Um, but the second question I ask is, is do I genuinely love these people? Because I can get up here and just do my thing and not really care about you. I've preached many sermons not even thinking about who was in front of me and really even caring about them or loving them. That, that's just my human nature. I gravitate towards me. What will they think of me? And, and how will I present this rather than really just stopping? Okay, do I care at all? about who's in front of me and am I focused on God right now and uh, is there a purity in what I'm doing before the Lord am I intimidated at all because some of you have more life experience than me 
Um, or maybe because I, I, I see, okay, there's a lot of successful people in this room. Am I going to be different now than I was talking to kids in the slums of India? Like, what, what am I doing? Am I really loving you? Because the last thing you need is another guy that looks up to you and, and worships you, right? And, uh, and is scared to say what he's supposed to say before you. And, I, and I, told, I tell God that I was doing a thing out, out in this area for a bunch of NFL football players a couple months ago. And I was like, God, these are my heroes, man. They can all beat me up, you know, except for a couple of the kickers, you know. And, and I said, oh, God, you know, like, the, the, what, what, you know, just going, God, but if I worship them like I have since I was a little kid, that doesn't help them any. I mean, they've been looked up to their whole lives and everything else. I've got to see them as human beings, as people that we're all going to face this God. Like my parents, they we're all going to see him. And so my prayer is that maybe even tonight we would just try to get back to a, a sense of purity and just see ourselves as just a bunch of human beings that are one breath away from seeing God and just to humble ourselves to begin this, this, this time together. And I think the greatest way for me to humble myself is to look at God and see Him. The most humbling times in my life have been the times when I've read the Scriptures and there's been a description of God and I go, wow, no one ever explained God to me like that. Um, and, and I was reading a, a while back in 1 Timothy 6. It, it's just a passage that I had gone through so many times and just read through. But in 1 Timothy 6, uh, verse 15, it says, He who is the blessed and only sovereign. He's describing God and he says, Right now in heaven there's this being... He, he, he is blessed. That, that word blessed just means this, this happiness, this contentment. You know, do you ever think about God that way? Just, just the, the most happy being in existence. Just he's content. He's not worried. He's not stressed. But it says the blessed, and he says the only sovereign. The only sovereign, that's such a key word, that right now as we sit in this room, no one is in control right now. None of us have any control. There's only one sovereign. Like he determines everything that happens. He determines whether or not I walked onto the stage. He's got complete control. He's got control over the tornadoes. He's got control over the flights. He's got control over everything. He's got control over your home and everything else that's going on right now. He's the only sovereign. That's an amazing thought. And, and it says that he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. There's, there's, no, there's no one greater than him. This isn't make-believe. Like, like this isn't imagine. It's, it's, no, this is happening right now. There's one being up there. And let's just focus on that right now. You know, on this earth, we like to, we like to rate people and, uh, and, and rate their significance or their beauty or their worth. And, and yet when you see, wait a second, there's one being up there who's in control of everything. And then what's the point in rating down here? It's just people and God. That's, that's the only distinction there is. Holy God, human beings. And he says he's the king of kings, he's the lord of lords, and it says, who alone has immortality? 
who alone has immortality. That means he is the only one that has life in himself. Okay, I am only breathing because he lets me. You were only breathing. You were only born because he decided to create you. He's the only one that has life in himself. Everyone else had to receive their life from him. Did, did you know that Satan is only in existence because God allows him to exist? Every demon, every angel, every ruler on this planet, they don't have life in and of themselves. I mean, right now, right now, everyone do something for me. Take a huge breath, just go, and then let it out. You are only able to do that because he let you right now. I mean, one night I couldn't sleep, and I just started, with every breath, I was meditating on this verse, I'm going, God, thank you for that one. Oh, that was a good one, thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, seriously, I did this 20, 30, 40 times just with every breath going, you let me do that. You gave me that one. And when you do that, it just really makes you see how fragile you are and how, okay, you're the only sovereign, king of kings, lord of lords, only one who possesses immortality who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. He dwells in unapproachable light. That, that, that's the idea of, of when Moses, remember Moses, who, who said, God, just let me see you. Can I see you? You know, sometimes we'll even sing songs, I, I want to see your face. And it's, it's, it's what Moses said, can I see you, God? And God answers, says, Moses, no human being can see my face and live. He goes, do you understand? I, I'm a completely different being. Yes, you were made in my image, but I am so different. That's what holy means. I'm so set apart from you that you can't even look upon me. That if, that if God let us look up right now and see his face, we would just die. He told Moses, you can't look at me and live. That's what he means. He dwells in unapproachable light. And, and I believe that's why in, in Isaiah 6 you have the angels. It was six wings and with two they cover their faces. Two they cover their feet. They're just covered from head to toe. And, and they're screaming, holy, holy, holy. They're just going, wow, he's so far beyond us. I, I don't even feel worthy to look upon him. I, I don't want him to look at me. Like he's so, the high angels are doing that. And so who am I on this earth to treat him any different? To go, wow. You dwell in unapproachable light. You are in control of every breath of my life. You are the only sovereign. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords whom no one has seen or can see. And then it says to him, be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. He says to him, be honor. That, that means no honor goes to me, no honor goes to you, no honor goes to anyone coming on this stage. It's, it's like, let, let all honor go to him forever and ever and ever because there was this being before you were born, before I was born, and he was just fine. He wasn't like anticipating our birth, like, oh, good, Francis is born. I needed that. 
No, he's just always been there forever and ever, always been worshipped. Like you mentioned, you know, 160 years from now, um, no one's going to remember you. Um, it's probably less than that. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just you, you know what I mean? It's, it's, there's one forever and ever who's always been 100 years ago. No one knew you. You weren't even here, yet they knew who God was. He was there, and you'll be gone, and he's there forever and ever, and he deserves the glory and no one else. And I want my life to be like that. And yet I could catch myself sometimes. Remember one time speaking at a conference where they, they, they all had these magazines, you know, on their seats, and, and the front page was just my face. And I thought, wow, that's cool, you know? And I just caught my heart getting there, you know, saw some posters of me, heard the buzz about me. And during the worship time, as they started singing, Great is Thy Faithfulness, I just started bawling. I mean, not, not like tearing up, like wailing. Because I, I heard that, that, that phrase, morning by morning, new mercies I see. And um, is that how it goes? Yeah, something, something like that. But, but I just think, God, it's your, your mercy. I don't deserve up there. What am I doing? I'm starting to enjoy some of this glory. I'm starting to enjoy some of this worship. And then, and then, right after that, he starts leading, holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, and I'm picturing God on his throne and the angels screaming, holy, 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 and, and, and Revelation 4 and 5, where there's a hundred million angels all worshiping the throne, and then I'm picturing myself on the outskirts going, no, 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 look at me, look at me, I'm on that magazine. You know, and the, 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 the grossness, and so then I'm like, ah, you know, I'm just like, wailing before the Lord, just going, what is happening to me? I swore I would never be that guy. And what's happening to me? And I'm just losing it, just, just having this moment with God. I'm going, I'm being everything I swore I would never be. You deserve all the glory. Why am I happy that it's coming to me? Why do I like this so much? The Pharisees, the, you, you were so bugged by them. You called them hypocrites because they loved those positions of honor. And they loved, you know, people recognizing them, them, them. It wasn't about the dominion and the glory going to God. And so I'm just having this moment in this, you know, the, the, the guy who introduced me, you know, just gets up right after the song and just goes, hey, let's welcome up Francis. And I'm going, oh, no. And she remember just walking up to the stage and I couldn't even face the people because I was a mess. It was just like snot. You know, it's just like, oh, it was just one of those cries where I'm just up here going, would someone just give me a tissue? I can't even face you right now, it just was this awful moment where I go, gosh, Lord, I, I stray. You know that old hymn where it says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love? It, it was happening to me. I, I, I can't let that happen to me. I don't want to come to the end and, and realize, oh, man, I just kept drifting, 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 and got more and more into myself. It, you know, and, and I wasn't even going to go in this passage. I just noticed, as I was reading that last verse, what the next verse says. I, I wasn't even go there, but it says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They're to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future 
so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. I forgot that was right after that passage. I was just going to talk about God, and I'm going, wow, that's kind of crazy. Um, Charge them not to be haughty. Set their hopes not on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who provides us with everything to enjoy. Do good, be rich in good works, be generous and ready to share and store up a treasure for themselves as a good foundation. You know what I love those, that last phrase? So that they may take hold of that which is truly life. I, I guess that's what it comes down to. Here's what I want. Here's what I want for you as my brothers and sisters in this room, and I, I feel good about saying this, like I'm saying it out of a heart of love. I really want you to take hold of that which is really life, which is truly life. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because other people will look at your success and think, oh, that's the life. And you know, you've had enough of that to know that's not truly life. What is truly life? I don't know what true life is for you, but let me tell you what it is for me. True life, the greatest, most joyful moments in my life are the times when God answers my prayers so specifically that I know it was Him and I just am left with this, no way. Because it is an absolute rush to go, I am positive that I just communicated with Him and he listened to me, and he did this. He responded. I, I mean, is there a greater rush than knowing that you just communicated with him, the one who dwells in unapproachable light, the one who controls everyone, who, who is the only sovereign, who is the only immortal one? I mean, haven't you had those moments where you just go, I just connected with God? You can't, you can't talk me out of this. That was the most amazing thing that has happened. And when people ask me, what's the greatest blessing of giving? I go, man, it's the answered prayer. It's the answered prayer like, like uh, uh, Isaiah. I'm sorry, I, I'm kind of an ADD guy, so uh, forgive me, but um, I, I like it. <laughs> I think it'd be boring to just think one thing at a time. Um, but... but uh, that, that Isaiah 58, sorry if I'm jumping, I, I think it comes together. Um, it's when these people are praying and they're fasting and, uh, and, 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 and God says to them, he goes, I'm not listening to you. So what if you're not eating? So what if you're fasting and praying? God says, I'm not even listening to you right now. He says, is, is that the kind of fast that I choose where you just humble yourself to bow your head down like a reed and, and, and uh, spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Are you going to call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? But instead, he says, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom shall be as noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones sing. 
Um, I, my, my favorite part is when, uh, when he says, then, verse 9, then you shall call. Okay, so, so it's when you're caring for the poor, when you're giving generously, when you're loving these people that are, that are in desperation, he goes, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. I love that. Here's these people, they're fasting and praying, going, God, why don't you listen to us? And God goes, I don't want to listen to you. I'm not going to listen to you. Okay, big deal. You didn't eat today. Oh, you fasted and you got on the ground, threw dirt on your head. He goes, what about all these people that are suffering? My creation. He goes, you start pouring yourself out to them. And then when you call to me at that point, I'll go, here I am. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And, and that's what I started experiencing in my life. It was like, the things that I would pray for as I just started giving and just, just taking chances and going, man, I don't know if we can afford this, but let's just give it, honey. There were times when, just like you, that was so awesome when you, you talked about how God would put a number in your head. See, I thought I was being weird, but he did that. <laughs> he, he, he did that in my life where, there were, you know, just a few years ago, I, I just had this number of $50,000. Like the Lord wanted me to give away $50,000. I'm going, God, that's my whole year's salary. How in the world am I going to do that? But I really felt like that's what he said, so I just kind of kept it to myself and go, okay, I'm going to give it a shot. And sure enough, somehow he provided. And at the end of the year, I'm going, God, that was ridiculous. That was everything. But just as I'm rejoicing, again, I felt like the Lord was talking to me, going, okay, next year it's 100. $100,000. I've never made $100,000 in a year. And, and it's like, okay, Lord, let's just go for it, you know? And, uh, and sure enough, the next year, I'm going, this is ridiculous. Worshiping God at the end of the year, this is unbelievable. Then I felt like the Lord says, a million. And I go, okay, now you're just ridiculous. <laughs> million. And guess what happened? You guys, there have been times when I am just bawling my eyes out going, God, this is just plain, flat-out silliness. There are times when I just go, God, are you kidding me right now? You really did tell me that. You really did answer this prayer. I mean, silly from, the, from little things, not just even the millions of dollars. I, I, and, and I know, man, my heart can get messed up. I, I, I can still be tempted with riches. And so when, we, when, we, uh, when I wrote that book, Crazy Love, which was not meant to be a bestseller, you know, I mean, you read it and you go, man, no one's going to like this. And yet somehow, I mean, I wasn't planning on that. I just wanted to encourage those few people that wanted to live this insane, crazy life that made no sense to everyone else, but suddenly became this bestseller and suddenly all this money's going in. And I'm telling my wife, I go, honey, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. Can we just give it all away? I, because I don't, I don't want things to change. I don't want anything to change. Um, I, I, I might get tempted. I mean, think about it. What, will, what, what are we going to do with a million dollars? We're going to do with a couple million dollars. We're going to do with all this money. I go, we'll, we'll buy stuff we don't need and regret it for all of eternity. I go, but if we just give it all away, we're set forever. And, and I want to just make the decision. And so we just signed all the royalties over to a charitable gift fund. And I just go, you know, this way, I, I, I can't even, I can't take any of it. But we can have this control and we can just start buying stuff all around the world and all these charities and just and, and the greatest joy and what's nuts about that that was an answer to prayer because just a few years ago my wife looked at me man after i came home from africa and i go honey same thing i got to africa and and, and i just go uh, 
I, I can't even live in our house anymore. Man, I, I love these people. I love these kids. It was that same experience. You hang out with them. I was always the guy that turned the channel when I saw starving people on, back when we did this. Uh, you know, <laughs> I just realized I did this and uh, aged myself. Um, but I, I was always the guy, you know, you see the starving and Somali. Oh, turn it, turn it, turn it, turn it. Oh, Lakers, okay. You know, and uh, I didn't want to see it. And then it was like them, the needy. But then you go there and you fall in love with these people. And you go, man, I love them. And it's like, let's just start, let's just start giving stuff away. And it's like, oh, you know, let's, let's sell the house. Let's, let's see, you know, let's just live off as little as we can. And, and let's just give it all away. And I remember my wife said at one point, she goes, honey, I love this. I love this life. I love that we don't hardly make anything. She goes, if I had one complaint... My only complaint is, I always dreamed of being a generous person, like where there were needs and I could write a check. And I remember just looking at my wife that day and go, honey, that's never going to be us. There'll be other people, you guys, there'll be other people that God will bless that way, but that's not our calling because I'm a pastor. Um, no, seriously, it just doesn't make sense for me to make a lot of money, and, uh, and I don't want to. And, and she goes, no, 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 I'm not complaining. She goes, this is just the one thing I wish we could do. And I was like, well, that's awesome, honey, but it's not going to happen. And so now it's like, wow, are you kidding me? We have a fund right now with over a million bucks, and we can just, right, you need a hospital? All right. It's, it's like this is a ridiculous answer to prayer and all these things. I'm going, God, why did you care about dumb things? Dumb things. Okay, here's another one. Okay, I, I'm, I'm golfing with some of my friends, and I'm not a real good golfer, but I can crack that ball, and it, and it can go far. And then they all bought these big drivers, you know, those giant-headed ones, and, and I had the little big Bertha. You remember those? They don't make them anymore. It's like this microphone. And, and, uh, and I was so bugged. It was a Friday afternoon, and my friends that are worse than me. I know they are. They're out driving me. And it's driving me nuts all because they got these big drivers, you know? And, uh, and I just remember driving home going, God, I'm going to buy one of those, you know? And then I just felt like, no, Lord, I can't do that. I, I, I feel there's other people that need it more. I, I, I can't, I just, at that time, I, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. It's like, no, Lord, no, no, that's just my pride. Um, I don't need to spend that money. The next morning, I'm speaking at this, this, uh, this church plant, and when I'm done, the pastor comes up to me. He says, we, we hear you have a reputation that when small churches give you an honorarium, you, you hand it back to them. And, and you know, that is part of my, I, I hate when a little group writes me a check. It's like, oh, I can't, I mean, I'll take it from you, but it, it, it's, it's like, um, when it's a, a little church, you know, it's, it's just like, but, but here's what the pastor says. Here's what the pastor says. He goes, so, so we didn't want to give you an honorarium for you to just hand it back to us. So I don't know if you could use it, but we bought you a driver. And I just looked at him. I go, shut up. You did not just do that. And I said, just yesterday. And the whole way home, I'm just looking at God going, are you kidding me right now? Is there anything you don't care about? I mean, it's just thing after thing when I pray and God just goes, watch. I mean, have you, have you ever had the chills 
where you just, it's not even the chills, that doesn't explain it. You're just overwhelmed because you thought, I spoke to God and no one can convince me that that was not an answer to prayer. Man, I could sit here all, all night and just go, okay, here's another one. Okay, you want to hear another one? Yeah, I could just do this all night. Man, and then when I began to entrust, you know, I have just before the church, you know, we, we did this thing where I go, man, if we really love our neighbor as ourselves, let's give to our neighbor as much as ourselves. Let's change the whole church budget. From now on, every dollar that comes in, we give away 50%. We'll spend on our neighbor what we spend on ourselves. You know, and all the elders were like, right on, let's do it. The church does it. And part of me is like nervous, like, can we pull this off? You know, but, because I trusted God with me, but I didn't trust him with the church. And the things that God did, where, where we, we committed, we said, oh man, we're going to get a lot of money, and where's it going to go? And, and, and I remember one time when we said, let's give a million dollars to Children's Hunger Fund. You know, the elders, one of the elders brought it up. You know, we're having a hard time giving away all this money in the right way. Let's give a million dollars to Children's Hunger Fund. I'm like, all right. So I called them up. I said, look, we're going to give you a quarter million dollars every three months because we've got to figure out where this money's going to go. And we trust you guys. You guys, you guys do a good job. You're, you're, you're fair. You, you know? And so, so we did that. And um, man, I remember there was one, one quarter, summer quarter, where churches are always dying. And, and, and I'm going, man, there's no money. We just don't have it. And I didn't tell the church. I didn't make an announcement. No one knew that we needed a quarter million dollars except for me and the finance team. And that Sunday, without any announcement, no one knowing a thing, the finance team comes in Monday or Tuesday morning and they go, Francis, you'll never believe it. The offering this Sunday was $251,000. It's, it's normally like eighty. And if you look at our records, go, go, go to Cornerstone and ask them. For, I mean, it's like 80,000, 100,000, 80,000, 100,000, 251, 80,000, 100,000, 80,000. And they came in, they go, 251. And I, I said, I said okay, that's awesome. And the moment they left the room and closed the door, I just started sobbing like a baby. God, you are so faithful. You're so good. I mean... You guys, it's, it's not just the money thing. It's, it's whatever I pray about, crazy things, you know, for my kids, for, uh, you know, for, for the, the people on the plane next to me. I mean, it's just insane. I, that's the life that's truly life. When I know, man, I'm talking to God, and God is listening to me, and we have this relationship. When he says, man, encourage them to take hold of life that is really life, that is life. That is life. When you pray and you talk to God and you get the sense where he's just going, here I am, here I am. Because why? Because like Isaiah said, he, he, he says, you're, you're a giver. You're caring for the needs of other people. You're thinking about other people. I'm telling you, there's been a radical change in the way God answers my prayers and it's been directly linked to my giving. And I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know what the next phase in my life is. But I guess my, my heart for you is I want you to be really happy, full of life, taking hold of the life that is truly life. We're in some crazy times right now, absolutely crazy times. As we talk about the tornadoes, I don't think it was a coincidence that that was yesterday. I think the only sovereign God planned that out somehow 
It got me in the center of it, got us all thinking about that. I don't think it's coincidence with the tsunami and everything else. I don't think it's coincidence that we have the greatest number of people at, at, the, at one of our worst economic times in, in, in our country's existence. And it's not looking good. I'm not seeing things turn around. I, I just go, game over. Chinese are taking over. You, you know, it's just, it's, it's uh, there's, there's not a ton of hope, you know, you know what I mean, in, in that stuff. And, and, I, and I noticed myself, I'm joking about that. But uh, I, I noticed myself reading the news the other day and just getting a little, like, disturbed and nervous and, and even sad that we're going to lose some of this. And then I, I remembered Luke chapter 21, verse 25, where he says, There will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth, distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the seas and the waves and people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heaven will, heavens will be shaken and they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, what does it say? Does it say, get worried? Stress out like everyone else. It says, no, when these things begin to take place, it says, straighten up, raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Isn't that awesome? He says, okay, this is a wonderful time for us as believers when everyone else is freaking out and going, what is going on in the world? He says, don't you join them. That's when you straighten up and raise your heads. You don't put your head down going, oh, no, no, we're victorious. He says, you straighten up, raise your head, because your redemption's coming near. And you're going, okay, Jesus, uh, the Jesus I've been talking to, loving, enjoying, the Jesus who is truly life. Come, Lord Jesus, you're coming for me. This thing, it's, it's game over. Take me. I'm actually excited about this, that we can't be that. We have rejoice in the Lord always. And let the world see this forbearing spirit. My oldest daughter, a sophomore in high school, the other day, her friend said to her, she, her friend was all freaked out. I mean, high schooler. And she just says, you know what? It's the, the thing going on in Japan, and it's the nuclear spill. I mean, don't you see how far it's going? It's not going to end. It's going to get to us. And, and she looked at my daughter, my 15-year-old daughter, and says, doesn't that freak you out at all? And my 15-year-old looks at her and goes, Why? She goes, her friend's name, and she just goes, I'm not afraid to die. She goes, dying doesn't scare me. That's going to be the greatest moment of my existence. I'm going to see God. And her friend looks at her, no joke, she just looks at her and says, I want to go to heaven. Can you tell me how to go to heaven? And I looked at my daughter, I go, man, I've been witnessing for years. No one's asked me that, you know? That's like soft pitch. That's like <laughs> t-ball, you know. It, it's just, but what was it? It was this fearlessness. It was just this straightening up. No, you don't get it. This is actually going to be awesome. If this is what I think it is, this is a good time. And what a great time when people are cowering and holding on to their stuff where we just generously go, no, 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 this is not the time to play conservative. This, is, this might be the end. This might be the two-minute warning. And I'm going to give generously because, you know what? My redemption, it's drawing near, and uh, I can't take this stuff with me. I'm going for it. 
and I want to take hold of the life that is truly life. That's my prayer for you. I, I want to pray right now, um, but man, this is not to me like, okay, here's end of sermon time with a prayer. Like, I want to believe that what I'm about to do will actually impact you, that I am going to communicate to him, the one who dwells in unapproachable. I'm going to talk to him right now, and he's going to hear me. Like, I know that. He, he's sitting there, the only sovereign, the only immortal one, dwelling in unapproachable light, and I'm about to speak to him. So this is not a little thing that we're doing here. And, I wanna, and I'm praying for you that somehow during this time, whatever it is, that you take hold of the life that is truly life. And that comes from a connection with God, the answers of prayer, because I'm telling you, there's nothing on earth like that. I would not trade those moments where I experienced God on this earth. I would not trade that for anything. That is the most valuable thing in my life. I love it. That's what gets me up in the morning. I want to see God. I've seen enough of everything else, but nothing compares to when God moves. So I'm gonna pray for those times in your life right now. Would you bow your heads? Just, just picture God in heaven right now. Just think about who we're speaking to in heaven right now, the one who is allowing me to breathe, at least for now, him, sitting on his throne, all-powerful, the only sovereign, king of kings, lord of lords, unapproachable light, the only immortal one. He's sitting there, and I'm about to speak to him with all the angels screaming out his holiness. I'm going to talk to him right now. God, you are amazing. God, I love you. God, I want to please you, and that's it. God, I pray that anyone in this room that hasn't taken hold of life, the real life, where they're connected to you and they know you, and, and for, to, for them to live is Christ, God. I pray that you would show them how beautiful you are, how good you are, so that the things of the world will just grow strangely dim. God, help us to see that you, you need nothing from us. And that it would give us tremendous joy to be able to give to you. God, just help us experience you more even in the next couple of days, do whatever it takes, but give us that joy, that true life that only comes from you. I pray for my brothers and sisters here. God, all of us in this room, we've been given a lot financially and even in success, fame, authority, and may we see, open our eyes, help us to see that that is not life. You are life. Please do this, Father. Make us bold, joyful, even in these times, giving generously, knowing that it's all going to be worth it. 
I love you, Jesus. I love you so much. You're all I care about, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.